Culture is something that business owners spend a lot of time worrying about. The culture of their company drives so many things, how well they serve their customers, how productive they are, uh, what the environment is like, retention of employees. What's interesting about company culture is that regardless of whether you spend time building it or not or focusing on making it better, you have a culture. It is not a light switch, it's not an either or. A culture will grow in every environment including your classroom and your school. So it brings an interesting question. Should we be thinking about how to build a more positive culture in our classroom, a more positive culture in our school? And what would that look like? What would our values be? And how do we take those values and turn them into a culture? Today's interview is with Jason McCann. CEO of Veradesk, Ernst & Young Entrepreneur of the Year, incredible guy who has built an amazing culture at his company. And we're gonna talk a little bit about how to bring that into the classroom. And we're gonna talk a lot about what it means to engage those that you work with on a day in and day out basis. Thank you so much for joining us here for this episode of 26.1. My name is Jabez Labret from CISU Academy, and I look forward to this awesome interview. Hi, I'm Jason McCann, co-founder and CEO of Veradesk. And one of my favorite entrepreneurs of oh, all time. <laughs> you are too kind. Uh, no, Jason, it's been, uh, you know, I've had the, the fortune to, to get to have uh, many conversations with you over the years. And um, I, I really respect what you do and, and it shows with your team and, and the company that you've built and the brand that you've built. And I just really, really do admire the work that you've done. And I'm not alone. You recently were awarded the Ernst & Young uh, Regional Entrepreneur of the Year and made it into the finals um, uh, nationally. And globally, we, which yeah, we, yeah, we, we won national, did not win global, but we won national. So we were excited for our category to win Emerging Mario. It was an honor. And, you know, those are, that's, it's great to be associated with such great entrepreneurs. So that's, yeah, an honor. that's been an honor to, to be a part That's of huge. That. I mean, that, that just is a, a testament to all of the hard work um, that went into this. And, and you know, it's, it's interesting when, you know, a lot of our, our conversation on this podcast, you know, talks about the successes and, you know, what it is to be an entrepreneur or to be a business, a successful business person or successful in anything that you do, however you want to define that. I'm always kind of amazed at how some of the, the backstory of the earlier years maybe shed some light onto your perspective and, and kind of who, who you became and you, you started out early in the entrepreneurship pathway. Yeah. I, you know, I grew up with working for my mom who was the first entrepreneur and CEO I ever knew in her hair salon and really inspired me by those dinner conversations to go out and find your passion, make an impact. And so I started with a, you know, beach chair and umbrella company and sold seashells and, you know, did businesses and opened a restaurant and nightclub after college and just continued on my journey of finding opportunities and businesses that I could make an impact in. And so that's been a great thing. But yeah, it started all in the beginning, just being inspired by my mom, the first entrepreneur I knew. That's awesome. They, so we, we, before we jump into that, I have to take a, a side note here. You opened a nightclub and a restaurant after college? Yeah, I uh, thought I wanted to be in the hotel restaurant management industry after growing up in Galveston. I think that's back in the late 80s when I was in high school and hotel was on television. And so I went to the Hilton College there and partnered up with the guys that founded Yaga's down in Galveston. And we opened up one in Houston and it was a great two, two and a half year run. But it was not my calling at the end of the day. I loved business and building a business, but the restaurant and nightclub industry was not my personal passion. So I kind of 
pivoted and worked on my master's and got into consumer products and other things. And so I've, it's just kind of continuing. Yeah, that's, a, that's a pretty healthy pivot there. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's interesting. I, um, I am interviewing Erwin Jacobs from Qualcomm um, at an event here in San Diego. And he too was originally uh, his parents owned a restaurant and he was going to go into the hospitality industry as well. So um, apparently that is not a bad path to start off on. No, I think you learn, you know, service and customer service and the customer experience, which is kind of how all businesses ultimately become successful. So I think the learnings people take from the hospitality industry into workspace and education and just in their general way that they interact with customers is a very cool way to think about it. You've seen other great entrepreneurs do it even online, but they're taking true proven hospitality customer service things and shifting them in. Yeah, that's so that also I would imagine a salon. Uh, clearly is is got to be heavy on on service and cultivating that customer relationship so it sounds like you probably were exposed to that pretty pretty early in in your experience yeah you learn both the creativity side because you're making somebody more beautiful and you're in the sales side because you're interacting with a client and you're dealing with running a business too so you got to get to touch all those things about hospitality and service and so it's great when your mom ran the salon, did you, I'm just picturing little Jason with a broom run, running around, like sweeping up at the end of the night or, or did, did she pretty much say, don't worry about it. Go, uh, go, go focus on your studies. I don't know. I, I, I swept, you know, I started on the gun ground zero. So yeah, I think you learn just like everything, just like, you know, students at school, when you're in the education process and you have the opportunity to work and engage in interact with business, I just think it's a great thing. And from a discipline and a time management standpoint, it's a great tool to learn over time. So while, while you were growing up and you, and, and that you run into people whose parents were small business owners or entrepreneurs who kind of share, um, I think sometimes a similar story where they're like, yeah, I went to school, but I also, you know, had responsibilities with the family business to help out as well. Um, do, do you think there was lessons learned in the family business side of the day? So when you were putting in hours in the family business side that you needed to learn at that point in time that maybe helped you open up some doorways for you later on down the line? Or do you think that it, it would have been no different had you just you know been studying and doing homework and then playing with your friends well, I think anybody that has the opportunity to to work and interact and see what it takes to earn a dollar and earn a customer's trust is a great opportunity. I think as I rolled into the hospitality industry and really learned the business principles of you know competing with other businesses, providing customer service, providing product that people want and, and celebrate and building fan base and starting to take all that. And now you think about, you know, we're, we've learned that now as we enter into workspace and we're thinking about all these things that I personally have built upon are now things that I've learned. And I think about culture and innovation and people and workspace because all those things matter and have kind of got us to where we are today. And so I, I kind of look back and all those, it's almost like Steve Jobs said at that Stanford speech, all those dots are able to connect backwards to get you where you are today. So I, I don't take any of that lightly. I think it's about finding your passion, working very hard. All those things start to happen. And it's really how we got to where we are today with Veridesk. Yeah. So talk to us a little bit about uh, Veridesk. It, it's, its journey has been, I mean, you 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 guys co-founded this literally with like car, like cardboard cutouts. Yeah. We started prototyping at the beginning, yeah, right? We, I mean, this is, yeah, we started on a journey addressing Dan's back pain, literally with a cardboard box, created our first prototype 
and went out and started selling um, off our first prototypes to clients and great companies like Verizon and the container store here in Dallas bought our product. And then we realized we were onto something very different. And so we started on a journey of really creating happier, healthier, more productive workspaces. But as we've gotten into this, and now we're seven years into this journey with over 3 million people worldwide using our product, but we don't just create that first product that we started. We've now elevated our vision. We're really on a mission to create workspaces that elevate people. Because what I've learned here and every year now as we talk to these amazing CEOs and entrepreneurs out there, they're trying to recruit and retain talent. They're trying to build their next generation of leaders, trying to figure out the riddles of driving a business. And we're providing workspace product around that as we help them transform their cultures and their businesses. Mm, I love that. And, and it really does show if, if anybody's ever fortunate enough to get to visit the corporate office um, there in Texas, it, it you, your team is reflective of the mission that you have and it, you can see it in real time or any company really that I think embraces kind of your, um, your, your equipment, your desks, your chairs, your walls, your lights, your, all the things that you, you have now at your disposal, um, all of the support structures that go into what makes an office space or a learning space, um, available that you can sense that it's done with purpose to make that individual the, the happy best person that they could possibly be. And, and, you know, the things that you interact with from a tangible perspective have a, an impact on that, um, in, in your psyche and, and in your ability to produce. And what you talk about here, which I think is a really important thing for, for people to note that are thinking about entrepreneurship, um, particularly about teaching entrepreneurship, um, to, to students or for your student wanting to get into entrepreneurship is that you started with a problem, back pain that you were trying to solve for, and then you pivoted and grew into something bigger than just addressing that one problem. doesn't mean you're not also addressing that problem, but you're now able to address many more problems, but that it didn't start off, um, as we're going to start tackle all of the problems. Yeah. We started really addressing one person's back pain. And then as we learned, because I believe in a culture of learning, and as I sat in those meetings and my team sat in those meetings and we listened to customers, we realized there were other pain points that they were having. And so they talked about how do they buy product? Would you guys have standing conference tables for our standing meetings? We want a space that moves and ebbs and flows with us. So all products that we were creating for ourselves is all the growing pains that we were having in a business. What we realized, and you described it, when you when people walked into our headquarters, which is a living, breathing showroom ideation lab, they said, I want this. And what they were describing was the energy. And the energy is a combination of the people that are in the space, that embody the values of your business, that believe in the mission that you're on, and the products and the workspace that we've created. And so now to work with amazing companies out there and how do they replicate that inside their own workspaces so that they can accelerate growth continue to elevate their cultures, continue to embrace learning and education throughout their business units so they become smarter and smarter as their businesses grow. So we can learn with them when we share these new product ideas. And it's just fueled this amazing flywheel effect on our growth and has allowed me to continue to elevate and the team to elevate to address more and more pain points, simplify companies and corporate cultures' lives out there, make a bigger impact, and ultimately the business is more successful. And, and it feels like your team's fairly comfortable with being iterative and, and experimental and trying things. And for me, that always jumps out to how does your company culture deal with failure? Yeah, we embrace it head on. I think you don't learn unless you're failing. And I think you, 
you know, there's, there can always be that culture of, Hey, you've got to make perfect grades and everything. But at the end of the day, you've got to learn and you got to make mistakes. And so the trial and error and having an open culture that celebrates it, talks about it, discusses it and shares it. So we talk about it. And I've made plenty of mistakes here. You know, you look at our very first product, we've improved it 22 times based upon feedback from subtle packaging changes um, to little tweaks in how we assemble it, to how we ship it, how we pack it. We learn, we learn, we share all that information. We go out to amazing companies like Google and they said, hey, we frost the glass over the sodas and it reduces consumption on sodas. So I frosted the glass in my office and it reduced soda consumption in our office. So it's like, it's not even about product. It's about sharing ideas and learning from other companies. So I, I think the idea of embracing it and celebrating and learning from it and sharing it is very important. What what are, you've built a really strong culture. Um, you're one of those companies that does have a, an incredibly strong culture um, on the employee side and, and you've built a pretty large team. What are some attributes and characteristics that you um, like to see in people that join on to the very Yeah, we've team. gone from no employees when we were, you know, just doing this as a side gig. <laughs> it almost feels like negative employees when it's just <laughs> you and your right. co-founders we're running, running around, around at night <laughs> selling when we're, we're in the prototype phase. We've we've got over 300 employees here in the U.S. and we've grown. We've added 100 people here in the last year. And what I realized a couple years ago is we really got to go through and define our core values because I'm looking for people that that embody our core values. And so we went through a process and came up with our six core values, create lifelong fans, raise the bar, be authentic, be a team player. We want people to believe it's possible and really people that can embrace change. And we went through this process and interviewed the greatest employees in my company that I said I would duplicate over and over. These six core values came to the top that we've been living and breathing over and over. And so now to recruit people that embody those core values so that our culture is built on top of those core values. And as people are added to it, the DNA changes, but it's all based upon those core values is really critical to how we're scaling the business here. Yeah, I love And core values are something that you can develop for yourself. You can you can have your own core values for your own life. You're for your family. Um, you know, core values are things that are an important uh, exercise to to dive into what are my core values and why what are they driving and how do I use those to make decisions. Um, what I didn't hear you say is we also looked at where they went for their undergrad or graduate school um, <laughs> to see what they studied to make sure that they graduated with a high enough GPA to to be yeah, successful yeah. here. Yeah, I, I think I, I want people, you know, if, if you think about somebody that embraces change or believes it's possible, they have fought, they have tried to solve a problem, they've been dealt a crazy hand in life. Maybe they were an entrepreneur like me, and they had some setbacks and some failures, but now they want to be a part of this journey and help me figure out this business. I want people that have been a team player. So they've probably been in sports, they probably volunteered and worked in, a, in an organization. When I talk about raise the bar, I want people that have challenged themselves to grow. So I'm looking for that during the interview process of, hey, I went out and I, I lost 50 pounds by learning how to run a 5K and work out with my friends. When people talk about creating lifelong fans, they pro a lot of them in the hospitality or service industry. And so they put their way through school and they were learning and taking care of customers because they understand the importance of it. So all those things. And then I'm also looking for that be authentic authenticity. When you're having a conversation, you can feel that people genuinely get it and they're comfortable talking to you. Those are the features I'm looking for. The other stuff matters, but this is what I'm looking for. These are the people that will help drive our business. Yeah. And I mean, you know, you have your MBA, you know, I 
went on to college myself. And I mean, it's, it's not an anti-education thing at all. It's a, it's a, not an either or it's a yes. And, um, you <laughs> should get education. Doesn't mean you have to go all the way through your master's, but you should continue to get education. And you mentioned a couple of times that kind of that lifelong learning, like you should always be wanting to learn. Um, you know, I kind of rewind to my, my high school self. And I think, you know, man, being authentic in high school, um, that's hard to do. Very hard. Yeah. And I don't think that we've, and, and I haven't really to now to date, I haven't really put a lot of thought into maybe why it is so hard at that age. Obviously there's, you know, your own self conscious issues with going through puberty or, or become being a teenager, but there's also kind of the, the group mentality, um, you know, and it, it's interesting that when you step into a culture like Veridesk, you can tell that everybody's there for each other. Like they're all out there to help each other. It's it's not a, I'm here to win. It's a, we win as a team. Um, and I think that that's, a, that's an interesting component to want to try to think about building into whatever kind of subject planning you're doing or, or classroom work or after school work is that team mentality can really help overcome some of that fear. Yeah, early on in my learnings, I had, uh, I'm, I'm 49 years old and I, a lot of my staff, a lot more brand new. They would call it the millennial generation. You know, some are fresh out of school, some are still going to school. And what I recognized is I need to I need to educate and teach. So I created Veridesk University and started doing book clubs and learning and and I brought in outside speakers just to help raise the bar and just to help my team learn how do you have a one-on-one meeting? How do we recruit people that embody our values? How do you have a smart goals for people to set goals? How do I help grow this next generation of talent? Now that I continue to grow that, I've actually hired somebody that helped build the Southwest Airlines University. So my team is now building an entire Veridesk University learning so that we can continue to learn and grow. Um, I've got, you know, what we do, we help kids, our, our team go back to college and we're doing outside. So all of that allows us to continue to grow, but it, it's a win for my business. It's a win for my people. It's a win for my culture. And then I can share with other great companies like Southwest or Google, these other companies that are also doing those things and we can share best practices because at the end of the day, I need them to be successful too. I need all of these great companies throughout the world that we're doing business with to be successful. So if I can share learnings that I'm having, that my team's having, that I'm having success in education, that I'm having success in our very giving campaign, those areas that we're touching on that we can share is a win-win for everybody. For students that are listening that want to be entrepreneurs, uh, Jason just gave you the roadmap right there for exactly how to do it. Make whatever you do contingent on someone else's success and then do everything you can to make them successful. Yeah, that's awesome. I, I I think you know you think about you think about building a lifelong fan, and if you can build a fan out there that loves your product, that you're making a positive impact in their lives, and they go out and tell other people about it, you've built success, and that ripple effect is priceless. And the feeling that you get when you're able to have a positive impact on somebody's life and also have a, a financial win to it is something I can't even describe, but it feels so great. But that positive impact in transforming people's cultures or people are becoming healthier and happier, all those things that my team's able to do feels so great. And it also provides business success for us, which allows this whole flywheel effect to work where I can employ more people, create more jobs, create a bigger impact. Where um, along that journey, you mentioned a little bit earlier that there's been some failures and, you know, it is useful for people who are maybe starting off or thinking about this journey that uh, I think sometimes understand that it 
failure is okay and it's going to happen and that they are not alone. What are some moments in time that you can reflect back on that felt like they weren't, nothing was really going right? Well, the, you know, it was funny right off the bat, we started getting lots of orders online for our products. So we were shipping them out all over the country. And all of a sudden we started getting calls like, Hey, the, this is seven years ago. The product's arriving damaged on the corner. And I suddenly realized I had never shipped this much product via UPS and FedEx. So it's getting drug across the ground or dropped mm-hmm. off a truck. And I just never packed product. So suddenly I've got thousands of units already in my warehouse. My team's going to bat trying to figure out the solution. So we basically ended up opening up over, I think it was over 5,000 boxes. And we all got out there in the warehouse and repacked them all with all the extra little supports in there so that we could ship them back out. And then we were able to make running changes and improvements. But early on, that could have been fatal if we hadn't listened to the customer and the data and gone and solved the challenge and everybody rolled up their sleeves and figured it out. That's awesome. I mean, because it's, it's, so it's, it's when you hit a moment of failure, failure is on a sliding scale. It's not a light switch. So it's not like, it's a single moment in time. It generally is, is it grows. And so had you not hit that failure moment where customers were saying, Hey, these are, these things are coming broken and you hadn't taken action to address that moment. It would have become, as you mentioned, a catastrophic failure um, and would have continued to grow and turn into something that, you know, maybe we wouldn't be talking today. Um, you know, and, and it's always, always a good reminder. And I'm, I'm wondering, I think of hospitality. So I always kind of joke that it should be mandatory that everybody works in hospitality at least a year in their life because <laughs> you learn so much from, from being in the service industry, whether that's retail or, or restaurant and hospitality. Um, but that what, what I hear in there is rolling up your sleeves and getting in and doing the work. Like no one's yeah. above, no one's above going into the warehouse and opening up 500 boxes you know, like it's all hands on deck, including the leader. And, you're, and, and what's amazing is by doing that and by setting that bar, it builds teamwork. You're making now, you're solving a challenge. You're, you're not sticking your head in the sand. You're addressing it. You're going after it. You're solving it. And there's this sense of accomplishment when the team solves the real and has this win. It's just like the, the team winning the state championship. Like all of you come together, everybody plays a different role, but at the end of the day, we have one goal. So it's like watching the women's soccer team. Everybody plays a role. Somebody gets injured, but somebody else steps up. So thinking about it that way is that's the kind of team you want to build. And when everybody leans in to solve and win that one thing and solve it, it just elevates the culture and transform people. Yeah. It reminds me of my, one of my favorite leadership cartoons. It shows a bunch of people dragging a big rock and there's a chair on top of it. And the guy's like pointing where they need to go. And it says manager. And then it's got a picture of the guy in the front pulling the rope in front of everybody else with them. And they're like leadership. <laughs> it's like lead, the leader's there in the middle of it, doing it, blazing the path, uh, helping the team get the win, um, not adding to the weight in the back and just pointing in the direction that they need to go. Um, you know, it's it just, every time I hear what you're doing, I get more and more excited about just life and the world and where things are headed. Cause it's refreshing to, um, to, to connect with an entrepreneur who is so passionate about making a difference in the lives of people that, that come into contact with your world. So just wanted to say, we really appreciate oh. that. Oh, thank you. I, you know, it's it's so great to to learn, and it's it's so fun. We do we have we host tours from clients from all over the world each day, and it's really inspiring us now as we, as we think about. I'm like, what else? Where else are we going? What else can we do? And we continue to elevate our vision of what is it, you know? And 
um, a, a crazy story, but you know, a few months ago, we bought our first building, a 400,000 square foot building that we're calling Verispace. We're actually turning into a living, breathing ideation lab showroom, but clients are now coming in and working out of our space and it'll open up in September. So it's now I've, by listening to customers, we started addressing one problem and now they're saying, we want you to create this energy of this space. And so now we're like, okay, let's go create it in front of the client with the client. And so now we're actually transforming entire office buildings. So it's a crazy way to think wow. about, it starts with a cardboard box and now we've got We'll have millions of square feet at some point, hopefully, all over the world that we're transforming like this. But it's just, again, thinking about the the learning environments and education and, and all that around workspace. So it's going to be absolutely awesome. Well, that's fantastic. Uh, we're honored to get to have you on the show as the empire continues to build. Um, I do have one last question that I want to ask, and that is if you were to transport back to high school today like it was you you were were no longer the ceo of veridesk anymore but you were about to maybe head into like your sophomore year this fall like school's coming up here real soon and so you're just jumping in um to to classes what would you hope that the high school experience and and what would happen in the learning would be like if, if you could just kind of jump in and you're starting school this fall but then you could rewrite whatever school was like or whatever it is that you would want to learn while you were there, what would it be like completely reimagined? Yeah, as I think about the moments where the light bulb went off for me, it's when I had an opportunity to have a business person or entrepreneur come into the classroom and work alongside my teacher, my professor, and explain a story. Not always the highs, but also just like the, the painful journeys of building something, of doing something. I think for me personally, those are the moments. If I think about myself as a sophomore or even the times that I go in right now to our high school and help the entrepreneurship program and the business kids, that moment for me is so impactful and thinking about that. And I think about myself as a sophomore, in high, if I'm entering high school today, I'd be like, wow, I just want to continue to learn and to, and to lean on the leaders and the local community and to, sh to share those stories. Because I think at the end of the day, we all want to find our calling and our passion. So the more exposure we can get to that, the more opportunities we get to learn, the more that it doesn't just happen overnight. It is about hard work and doing the work and getting the job done, but also interacting with people and, and the peers. So I, I think all of that would be a moment that if, if I was to relive, those are the things. And that's why I'm personally in, in so much involved with the high schools here. And we give back in our, in our very giving to the team goes in and volunteers because that's I know that that's the difference we can help to inspire the next generation of leaders, entrepreneurs, innovators, thinkers and dreamers out there. I love the idea of getting local community leaders and entrepreneurs and the, the local, you know, businesses to come into the school and interact, uh, you know, teaching the students and showing the students, you know, what does it mean to do what they do and the successes, failures and growths and happy and high points and low points and, and all of the above. I think that's fantastic um, and, and would really make for a rich learning experience. So, Jason, I, I just want to say thank you again from the bottom of my heart for taking out time um, and, and coming here to help us today uh, explore a little bit about entrepreneurship. And um, I just really appreciated the, the thoughts and, and uh, the words that you had to say. So thank you so much. And my pleasure. And thank you for the work that you guys are doing and the impact you're making on all those kids' lives. I just, you know, I think you're really inspiring the next generation of leaders making a huge difference. So thank you for doing that. Well, I appreciate that. And with that, I want to say have a great rest of your day and thank you guys for listening. 
Thank you for tuning in to this episode of 26.1. My name is Jabez Labret with CSU Academy, and we are so excited about our upcoming episodes. We have um, the former CEO from Abacus Next, an AT&T executive, uh, who's going to share some information about just kind of how to manage your own life and mentorship. We have a branding expert, Cynthia Johnson, who's going to talk to us about personal branding and digital awareness. Some really awesome lineup coming up, and I'm really excited to have you along this journey. So please do subscribe to this podcast, leave us a comment, or send us a message and let us know who you think we should be interviewing next. My name is Jabez, and I just want to wish you a wonderful day and a great week. Thank you very much for tuning in to 26.1.